Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Mingry Nation podcast. Welcome to it. As promised, because I am a man who keeps his promises, you know? Man of my word, I wrangled the friend of the show, Greg, to come on the show right now. I mean, you know, I may have threatened his life, but you know, you do what you got to do. Greg, how you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? Other than feeling threatened, I'm doing pretty well. We got our we got our North Texas team in the tournament. I mean, you can't be asking for anything other than better. Yeah, so I'm not going to recap a lot of my analysis, right? Because that's on the last episode of the show. I think it was at, what, 145? Mean Green Nation Podcast 145. Uh, where, I, you know, I was like, that was great. It was amazing. Kind of talked through some of the games. Uh, you know, originally I was like, you know what? I can probably podcast after every game, but I'm old. I forgot about that now because then, like, after the game, I was like, man, I'm ready to go to sleep. <laughs> Um, so, uh, that didn't work out quite, you know, as well as I wanted it to. So I'm interested to see or to hear your reactions to the tournament. I, I mean, I saw you on Twitter, you know, you were one of these people, you know, you're looking JV on Hamlin. I hadn't seen your tweets cause, uh, he's been retweeting. <laughs> uh, he's been on the scorched earth on people, but you know, I've been pretty positive about him all year. Yeah. Even going into the tournament, I was positive about him. Now, again, their chances? No, I mean, I was one of those people that always believed that you had to be playing well at the end of the year. And then, uh, you know, I came around to the belief that you can create your own momentum in the tournament. And I think I, I tweeted that out before they started their Conference USA play. They could create momentum by – seeing their buckets going against Middle Tennessee, and they did, and they, they played well that game. They had their struggles. For me, it was once, you know, that second half against Old Dominion when when Zach, you know, he wasn't doing a bunch, but he started to make some hustle plays, and then all of a sudden the light kicked on for him, and I felt like if we got past Old Dominion, we've matched up fine with Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I knew we could score with them. I knew we could shut down their big guy. Uh, I knew they wouldn't block our shots like Old Dominion might be able to or UAB, which was giving us problems. They weren't as, you know, they were physical, but not as physical. So I was like, look, we beat these guys without JV on Hamlet really playing well. And we almost beat them twice. We beat them once for sure, but we almost beat them twice without Hamlet. So I was like, you know what? We got a shot against them. And if we get to Western Kentucky or UAB, I mean, it's a championship game and anything could happen. And so you say without Hamlet. But he played in those games. He just didn't do too much. I think he had, was it 11 points combined, right? It was like seven in the first and then four in the second. Or, yeah, yeah I mean, four in the I mean, second we won, yeah. He, he didn't have the impact that we're accustomed to. Yeah, I just want to clarify it because they're like, well, he, he was out that game? No, he was there. He just only scored four points. Yeah, he fouled out of the, <laughs> yeah. of what was it, uh, the second game, didn't he, or the first game? Uh, I think it was the first game, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. And just to kind of reset, I, yeah, I think your position on Twitter has been this team is talented, maybe more talented than last year, but a lot of it, because of the way they play and just the way they've organized their team and just like the components there, it requires that Javion Hamlet play at the level that he played last year. And I think judging from the numbers up until the points that you were tweeting those things, it was true that last year was a better player than this year, this year's version. And I don't think that's controversial at all. 
I, I think he's just as good as last year. And I've kind of been like I said that, at that at that moment, like because I think at up in that point in time, like literally he was like one twenty, uh, like uh, efficiency rating for twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, and then twenty twenty one he was like one oh one. So literally he was not as good a player. The problem at the end of the year wasn't necessarily him; it was everybody else. Like there wasn't, we weren't getting the McBride shots to fall. Thomas was hitting shots, but Zach went through the spell where he was just struggling. He was traveling, turning the ball over. He wasn't playing well, and then we weren't getting anything from the bench. I always knew, you know, I, I haven't had any problem with Hamlet's, Hamlet's play all year, all year long. I thought it was very good, highly effective. I thought other people weren't where they needed to be and weren't playing at the level that they were playing at last year for him to make the plays that he needed to make. So, you know, going into the conference tournament, yeah, that's why I was a little bit pessimistic because I didn't – you lose Ruben Jones, you lose your bench guy. Um, and you, you had no bench other than him, really, for scoring, and you weren't getting the shots from Jerez. But, you know, I, I did um, make the comment that, you know, if we could get 10 points plus from Jerez and the bench combined, that we'd be in a good spot. And yeah, the, the bench didn't do anything the, the whole tournament. I think <laughs> – was it was it, dressed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, that, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Hank, right? He was like, you know, I did my ingredients to a victory, right? And then he was like, number five, also like 10 plus points, bench point. I'm like, I don't, I don't, th- that'd be great. That's like gravy, right? But like, I think we could win with, uh, what did I say? Javion Hamlet getting clutch buckets because, you know, that's number one. Number two was something that you and a few other people on Twitter had said, like, we just got to see them shoot with confidence. There's, too much of this, like, Javion Hamlet would dribble, dribble, kick it out. You got an open shot, and they're like, ah, pump fake. No, here you go, Javion, take it back. And then, so, yeah, to your point where, like, you're, you're like, other guys have to step up to support them. I mean, there's only so many good shots that you can create, right? Like, here, I created it, catch and shoot opportunity, catch it and shoot it. Don't catch it, pump fake, hesitate, drive into the teeth of defense, and then look for a bailout pass that they steal and then goes the other way. That's not going to really help anybody. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You know, we weren't expecting to get that performance that we did from Jerez, but, man, he was just just smooth. It just – everything about him was different. You know, he just – he shot with confidence, re-shot with confidence, even though he was missing a bunch. And then you had Thomas doing his thing. And then Javion was just just a different person. He, well, I know maybe not a different person, but he was that – he was We're not best. losing. Yeah, he was like, I think that was the the thing. And um, we'll get to this later, right, when we talk about, like, the state of the program kind of thing and, and Grant McGaslin. But I'll just note that a criticism, right, of sort of, you know, him is like, well, he's built some teams that have shown really brightly early and haven't really done the, you know, haven't really peaked at the end of the season around tournament time. And even you're like, well, what about the CIT tournament? Like, well they kind of petered off towards the end. They bowed out to Louisiana Tech in the in the conference tournament. They switched their play up, and then they, they went on that run and won the CIT. So, it, whatever, CBI. What did I say, CIT? Yeah, whatever. They're all the same, you know. The one you got to pay to play in. Uh, it's basically just like a rec league. You know, no, I'm kidding. Um, they play good teams, actually. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know. I just like to give it a hard time. CBI, whatever, I, I, I I literally, they just melded in my brain in which everyone comes out first. That's the one I say. But, yeah, and so then there's that 20, 
20 uh, win season where they started out really well. I forget what the record was at one point, but they only had like one loss or something. And everybody's like, look at this team. Yeah. And, and, but they had beaten a lot of mediocre to nobody teams and everybody started getting injured. There's a lot of reasons for why they got to that point. But the fact remains that they were not peaking around conference tournament time. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Grant's quote going into that season was he wanted to build confidence off of last year. So they didn't they didn't schedule hard. Yeah. Right. And now, you know, with last year's team, you know, they wanted to play anybody, anywhere, anytime. Yeah. And it yeah. showed it paid off at the yeah. end of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they know that's the formula going forward. Yeah, I think you need to mix it. It really also depends on the roster you have. Like next year, they're gonna have some talent, but it's gonna be new talent. You're not gonna have. Are, are they gonna have a Javion Hamlin? What do you think? Did he get a, he get an extra year for for being in COVID year? How's that work? Yeah, out? They, they all did. They all can come back, but I mean, I don't really look. See that. It, it, yeah. What more do they have left to accomplish? Yeah. Other than you know trying to pull off an upset, and make some type of run in the NCAA tournament. What the what they've accomplished in the past two years is. I mean, it's it's really just unbelievable. It's back-to-back championships, winning your regular season, then winning a conference tournament this year, going through the struggles, going through the COVID year. They all have their stories, persevering, you know, making that repeat. It's just what what more do you have left to prove? Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you wouldn't fault them if they came back, but and and I, you know, we'll, we're greedy as fans. We want to see them come back, but. <laughs> At some point, you know, if you're Grant, you probably got to tell him, like, look, dude, man, you got to go live your life. You got to go chase your dream. I I mean, I totally agree there. I, I think just getting back to the conference tournament, um, you know, I, I was one of the ones that's saying, like, the losses to UAB got their mind right. I think you disagreed with me, but, yeah, whatever. I, I, I think basically, like, they – played poorly in that game. And whether or not you say it was like, well, they had a target on their back, that's why they didn't play. Or whether you say it was because they um, needed to see what happens when they don't shoot with confidence and then actually get the two losses and feel it, get the consequences of their actions, right? Like, look, we said if you don't shoot, if you don't do these things, then you're going to lose. You're going to blah, blah, blah. And this was just about as close to devastating as you could get without actually eliminating them from the tournament, right? You lose two games at home. You lose a seed. You drop down to the third one. Like that's right up against losing in the conference tournament. So I, I thought that, like knowing what it looks like when you don't play well and you don't do the right things, that prepared them to play the right way, the the way they can play. Right. So that's how I saw that. How did you see that? You know, for me again, it was going back to that building their momentum within the tournament. I don't know if the UAB losses or the Marshall loss really flipped the switch because you would have thought for a senior team, a very experienced team, they would have flipped the switch against UAB after the loss to Marshall, the heartbreak, and really come out on fire for at least the first game. And they didn't. They came out flat. And then, okay, well, we need to win and get a bye. And they came out flat again. And so – I don't know if their mind was completely right until they went into that first half of that middle Tennessee game. They saw their shots go in. They saw they could still run their offense. They could still do what they needed to do. 
and you know they, they just got onto a roll they're like hey look we we we're still north texas we can still win everybody doubts us nobody other than a couple of our fans and ourselves believe that we can win this tournament and let's go do it and and they thrived on that last year and they thrived on it again in the the end of the regular or the in the conference tournament all right so they won one man that i was just i was watching some of that championship game again uh there was that was like the ideal way to start and i won you know i i can't take as at the end of that louisiana tech game i'm like okay we're up by seven I've watched too much basketball in my life that I've seen enough scenarios where I know seven point lead is not safe. It probably is. Like if I'm Louisiana Tech or if I'm just a neutral, I'm like, well, Tech got this game. Or, I mean, North Texas has this game. It's over. But you know, I'm watching. I'm like, no, I can see it. He's gonna hit a three. He's gonna turn the ball over. Another three. Uh, turn the ball over. He's gonna get a layup and a foul. I can see it. This is what's gonna happen. And we're just gonna fall apart. You know. Um. So I, I couldn't really, I wasn't, in my mind, I was preparing myself like, look, it's going to be close. I'm going to, I'm going to rationalize how they could win. And then right around that five, six minute mark, when the legs start going, I'm just going to just see hope <laughs> drift away. And I, I had to mentally prepare myself for that. I'm like, they're just going to miss a shot. It sort of happened, right? When like uh, Thomas Bell just couldn't hit an open look. And the oh, way the, the way it was set up, I'm like, our um, he was like Garden Bassey. I was like, he he has to. Sh- he, he's not gonna go in there and like dunk on him again. He's not gonna do a little post. He tried one, right? He tried a little post move on a little yeah. spin. Bassey was like, no, hell no. Let me take that. So the only he, way to beat him is to hit that jumper. He could not hit that jumper. You know, all, all day long, you know, stressing about the game. Like you're just thinking, pacing. You're like, you know, playing that two was nice, but I'm glad we got our rest. You get into the game. Um, you know, my wife daughter they're taking their showers and my son's out there he's watching his tablet watching the game and we're up by 17 to 2 we're going on that run i'm like maybe i should keep him up for the rest of the game and not not let him go to bed i was like no no okay he's been every night they've gone to bed early for the game we're gonna stick to the routine and then you know you're sitting there just like you i'm like okay western kentucky's gonna make a run they're too good and we've gone through too much to not allow them what i was hoping was that Western Kentucky would go on a little 10 spurt, but then we counter back and we go, our, go on our own little like five to seven spurt and just kind of keep it at yeah. that you know, two to three possession length. And then geez, in the second half, they weren't even getting good looks. They were just throwing up junk. And, but Bell, the only person that was really getting good looks was bell and he just couldn't knock it down. And then Reese got a few, he couldn't knock it down. And then Javion, like he, you wanted him to take a shot, but it, it didn't feel like he had any juice at that point Mm-mm. to take a shot. Like he wasn't even touching the ball on offense, really. Yeah, normally just... normally he's like, give me the ball, give it to me, and then he'll kind of do a little, you know, like a handful of dribbles, maybe too many dribbles sometimes. Um, and the, but he'll get to a lane and like with it with the intent to attack. But there he was getting it. He was kind of driving. It was a little hesitation. I mean, he got blocked on a little jumper one time. I was like, this is. Those are all yeah. signs that, you know, it's And then fatigued. to get get down by seven at, at the under four timeout there. Yeah. And, you know, I think Grant talked about it where not one of them had any doubt. They all thought mm-hmm. they all thought they were fine. Whereas <laughs> as the fans were like, dude, the writing 
is kind of on the wall. Like, I don't know, because we've watched enough basketball to know that when you give up that big of a lead and then you can't hit nothing in the second <laughs> half, you're, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. And somehow like, you know, Zach got a basket, JV got a basket. I want to pause again because that basket was huge. Like you think about the situation. You absolutely need. We just described why you absolutely need a basket. Somebody needs to score, and you know, like basically, you're Brock, right? Uh, Zach Simmons has to go against Defensive Player of the Year, back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year, future NBA draft uh, prospect Charles Bassey, where he lives, where he, you know, what I mean, it's not like he had cooked him up on the three-point line. Like he got him on the block, oh. and this was this is the part where I, I love Zach Simmons, Mean Green Nation favorite. Wrote about him like, you know, there's so much that he does as a big man that people don't notice because he's not like, you know, he's not just dunking on everybody all the time. All the moves going over the right shoulder, left shoulder, you know, left hand hook, right hand hook, pump fake up and under. He has all these tools and sometimes that works to his detriment because he's like, man, I got so many options. Which one should I break out? And you're like, dude, just pick the first one, right? It's kind of, but he got a bucket. Big time bucket, and it just looks like a two pointer. He got it, went back down, but that was so huge, so ridiculously huge. It was. You just needed something to stop the bleed, and I think he was the one in the huddle that Grant had said, um, told everybody, "It's like, hey, we're fine. We're gonna win this." Like, and that's where you're when you have a senior program, like we do. That's what can happen. If if that team was a bunch of freshmen, or sophomores, or young, inexperienced, they're not coming back from seven down. But you got Zach Simmons, you got Javion, you got James Reese, you got Thomas Bell. These dudes are all fighters and grinders, man. They're not going down. Yeah. And they didn't. And it's just, I mean, it, it's really unbelievable to see how they were able to come back for Drez to hit the shot that he did. I mean, there was no doubt. <laughs> so, so what's the setup? Yeah, I see the pass out. I'm like, you know, one thing is that for whatever reason, it seemed like North Texas couldn't hit any open shots like throughout the whole tournament. It's like it had to be somebody has to be in their face. And and again, I was thinking about all those UAB looks where they got him wide open, like everybody. He caught it, and I'm like, this is it. You know, quickly processed it. We're it's like 22 seconds. We absolutely have to hit this three because there's not really another opportunity. You got your one of your best three point shooters, if not your best three point shooter, wide open rhythm shot. This is where you have to make it. This is where it comes down to it. You can scheme up, whatever, but this is the opportunity. I was thinking that as the ball is in the air. That beautiful rainbow shot, he has, like, the best. Like Thomas Bell kind of, like, throws it at the rim. Uh, he's like, yeah. You know, like, he's throwing darts. Um, but that is a little rainbow shot. And then he makes it. And I'm like, ah. And I actually scared my kid, like I said. She was like, Daddy, what? I was like, I'm yelling because I'm excited. She's like, oh, what happened? Like, what, what was in your mind when, you know, one, Tavion Hollingsworth, you know, if you're, I don't hate the guy, but he has made some unclutch plays in both <laughs> games against North Texas. Yeah. And then, and, you know, like, uh, anyway, he, he got tripped. He got screened by, uh, by McBride on that play. McBride pops out for the three. And so he was like trailing, kind of hurting his like leg hurt. And then he, you know, McBride catches it. What's going through your mind at that moment? Not much other than uh, I started to think about the 22 seconds left and what was Western Kentucky going to do? Where was their shot going to come from? So first of all, my heart's pounding. I can feel it going through my shirt. I'm like, man, we just tied this game. 
but we got to get a stop somehow. And it's like, obviously they're going to go to Bassey, but I was fine with them going to Bassey. What I didn't want to happen was the kick out open three. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was the shot that Western Kentucky wanted and could never get in that game. They could never get it. Our guys, everything was difficult. Even when Western Kentucky was making their run, everything was difficult. Everything was challenged. There was no, there might have been one or two open shots for Frampton, but everything was so difficult. Everything was hand in the face. Yeah, I've said this like in, like, I think I I did a QA with the Hammer and Reel site. And, you know, I've said this a lot. Like, sometimes it might be too aggressive, our closeouts. I think we fouled a three point shooter in every game. Uh, at least in this tournament, and and um, you know whatever, I'll live with it if they're chasing guys off the line. Um, you know, again, I I, I do want to kind of pause and let you finish up your thoughts on the championship game because we're gonna start talking about Purdue in a second. I'm making notes about some of these things because we're gonna talk about how these characteristics of our team apply for how we're gonna have to beat Purdue because all of these are gonna come into play. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that last the 22 seconds, I, I was just hoping for just to get a stop, just to get into overtime, because you, you felt like we found our, our little bit of our second win. Right? You know, we struggled throughout the whole second half, and, and we found it for that brief bit. We went on the 7-0 run. Momentum's on our side. If we get it to overtime, we got JV on making some plays now. It's, it's his time. I didn't and want then, overtime at all. I didn't. I wanted nothing of overtime. I, but we'll I, say like, I think Kentucky wanted nothing of overtime. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what somebody said. You know, I'm looking at it from North Texas perspective. I, I wanted that. I wanted like, look, what we need is Javion to get the ball with like five seconds left, throw up a game winner, and just steal that victory the way they did against Louisiana Tech that one year uh, yeah. or last year, right? Um, that one game. Um, it looked like I was like three seconds. It's not really enough for him to go the length of the court. He let it go from half court, and I thought that was how maybe he made it. I, you know what? I knew as soon as he let it go, he wasn't making it. I was like, that's too much of a rocket. <laughs> you got to let it float. Um, so overtime, Rawls hits that three. Uh, I was, I kind of felt like, man, maybe Western Kentucky's gonna come out a little angry and just get a big lead. We can't, we can't hold him back. Uh, it was a little bit back and forth, but then Thomas Bell hits the three of the game. His only three, his seventh attempt, with a guy running at him. I mean, that's as I said, that's perseverance. I was tweeting like, you know, speaking of strategy, I was thinking that Grant could have probably gave up five points and get everybody just to rest. Like at least the main guys get Thomas Bell a rest, get Hamlet, because I felt like it was gonna break down. You know, it could have gone either way, and I'm glad, obviously, that they won. I don't know that that strategy would win again that's a it's a very special circumstance you're not gonna have to win four games in four days anymore the rest of this year so you right. know yeah um there's not many you when you don't have too many options on that <laughs> day right like what what do you got everybody's tired okay well who's gonna be you know i so said they all have the little gatorade on there like 2k they're all dribbling <laughs> i mean they had more than 24 hours rest for the first time yeah all tournament. So, I mean, they're young. Your adrenaline <laughs> was pumping. That, that's what got them through the early start. And yeah. once they went into overtime, I I pretty much felt like it was North Texas' game. I, I just. You're more confident man than me, man. I was looking at that. I was right. looking at the possibilities, the negative. Look, but after he had, I mean, it all went North Texas' way. I, I, I think that West Kentucky, 
you know, to your point about like wanting there and not being afraid of the moment, I think they're a little afraid of the moment. So I, let's let's pause there, right? In terms of that conversation, maybe we'll pick it up a little bit later. But I do want to talk about Purdue because they're a good ass team. Um, I mean, I'll just start listing off some facts, and you jump in. Um, like one, they're in the Big Ten Conference, the best conference in the nation. They have two number one seeds, right? Illinois and uh, who's the other one? Michigan. Yeah. Uh, they're real good. I mean, like, if you look at the Purdue schedule, you know, like the Ken Palm schedule, they got all A and B games basically in conference play. They played a lot of good teams. Ohio State's good. Um, you know, Michigan's good. Just the entire Big Ten's good. There's no easy games, no nights off in that one. And they did really well in that league, you know? So, yeah. They're they're all like the Big Ten's pretty much all similar though when you yeah. look at them this year. I mean, it's such a obviously we're going to get into Purdue's height, but they're all big. They're yeah. all pretty yeah. much built similar styles. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I was watching but, that Iowa Illinois game right. You got Luke Garza or Luca Garza right. Everybody's hyping this dude, and then he's going against a dude who's like Coburn. Coburn, Co- yeah, yeah. His name sure does look like Cockburn. I don't know how his name is pronounced. Coburn. That's what I kept saying. It took me. It took me out of the broadcast because they're like, hey, Coburn. I was like, that, that don't look like no Coburn to me. Anyway, uh, yeah, they were – it was ridiculous. It was like old school basketball. They are just going at each other, just big giant dudes dunking on each other. Travion Williams is the big giant dude for Purdue. Um, leads the nation in, like, usage percentage, right, or it's second. Um, every play, he's touching the ball, either on a dribble handoff, post up. Yeah, and rebound. his offensive – Performance rating for Ken Palm, you know, top 10 in the country, number seven. Yeah. Not as high as, though, the guy that we faced from um, Loyola, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that guy was a little bit higher. But, yeah, so, I mean, Purdue is old school. You know, they're going to go through the post. <clears throat> That's their game plan. They're going to pound it inside, hope to hit some shots from the outside. But, you know, talking about Travion Williams, he's very much old school dude, man. He's, he's not going to be, you know – Bassy and pop out for a three. I mean, if he's on the perimeter or if he's free throw line extended, it's basically so they can run some screens off of him or for him to pass the ball to somebody else to kind of run their offense. He can step out. I've seen him hit a little 10, 15 footer. Like, it's in his game. I mean, obviously, like, when they're lining up, what shots do we want from you? That's not number one, but, you know, he can do it. Don't be surprised, I guess, if he just steps out, hits a little 15 footer on you. Yeah, I mean, everything in their offense kind of revolves around him. And, yeah. I mean, Purdue for the past couple of years has always had big guys. They yeah. had the one big guy that transferred to um, uh, transferred to Utah State or BYU. He transferred to BYU. He's like that seven-foot left-hand guy that had the little swipey <laughs> hair in the front. Yeah, I forget that, that dude's name. Like, if, if you're like, all right, Purdue, Purdue, that sounds familiar. Where have I seen them? They had uh, what's it, Carson Edwards? Remember they had Carson that epic, uh, epic battle all the way in 2019. Yeah, they, to uh, lost to Virginia on that. Yeah, yeah that little bow leg shooter. <laughs> yeah. But he's from Texas, man. He's from yeah. Texas. I mean, no, yeah, the, that was he was like six one, right, that dude. Uh, so there's two things about this team. This current Purdue team is a young team, right? They got to do what's the name, uh, Jaden Ivy. Uh, I think uh, I forget. I don't have him in front of me. Let me look at him. 
Yeah, he's a freshman. Then yeah, you have Gillis, Mason Gillis, six six, two thirties or power forward. He can step out and shoot it, by the way. He's a freshman. Also uh, freshman. Zach Eddy off the bench, the seven four big guy. Also I think, freshman. I think it's Edie, but Edie. I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's good. Like, uh, you know, he's big and he lumbers. But when you're seven four, you can lumber and still nobody can stop you. What are they gonna do, right? He has good yeah. enough footwork. He can seal, catch it, turn, dunk on you. You know, you're like, well, I can't do nothing about that. You just bowband me. You know, that's, that's kind of what's up there. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the least experienced teams, obviously, in the tournament. So, and if you look at, you know, their fan base is very knowledgeable. There's plenty of places to read um, their point of view. Yeah. But uh, when they talk about their team, they talk about everybody expected this team to struggle this year and to be really good next year. Well, yeah. okay, they're ahead of schedule. Um, and a lot of people just like them just because of their size. They play good offense, good defense, but they haven't been – I don't think they're as good as people believe that they are. I think that there's – you know, the way that they play helps their numbers out some – but they're not an over. They're not Illinois. They're not Iowa. Uh, they're not Ohio State. There's there's plenty of flaws there for North Texas to exploit. Yeah, just kind of going down. Like I, I, Eric Hunter, he's a junior. He didn't really stand out to me. And I, look, I admit, if you're like a Purdue fan, you listen to this, say, "What he did, blah blah blah, against Northwest." I don't know. I didn't watch that whole game against Northwestern or whatever. But like Hunter's good. He he, he could play some defense, from what I hear. Jaden Ivey, like I said, is a freshman. He can attack. He has, you know, uh, was the the dude Travis said that he has no fear. I watched a few clips of him. I watched, you know, part of a couple of games. I will acknowledge that the dude has no fear. He will attack the basket, get in there, and he can dunk on you. He can finish in the lane. He has a nice little layup package. Their shooter, Sasha uh, Stefanovic, you know, they like to run him off as a bunch of screens. He's dangerous, catch and shoot kind of guy. Um, you know, but. Like, all of them can shoot, kind of like North Texas. Like, you look at us, you're like, nobody's a bad shooter, but you know who you'd rather shoot, right? Like, who can do what in what situation? Um, and, you know, same kind of deal. Uh, they they remind me a lot of, of North Texas in a lot of ways because, like, Zach Simmons is not going to step out and shoot jumpers on you. We want him inside. He can score inside. Obviously, he's not like the athlete that Travion Williams is or, or doesn't have the size that Zach Eady does, but... Zach Simmons is a bucket inside, you know, like he gets a ball, he can score in there. They remind yeah, I mean, me a lot of North Texas in that way. I don't know if they remind me of North Texas. I wouldn't, I don't know if there's any team on our schedule who they remind me of. Maybe, maybe somebody like Mississippi state who we yeah. played They're Um, they're not as good of a shooting team as previous Purdue teams. I mean, when you look at their three point percentage, you know, just 33, and a half percent that's not that great especially when you throw it inside to your big guys you talked about the two um the one shooter that they have he's kind of struggled he had he was out for covid yeah and i think he's only like eight of 32 or something since he's come back from covid um and again they're young first time you know in the tournament a big time experience uh so i mean there's not again you know i tweeted out i think it was early sunday morning was the, I felt North Texas was going to be the thir- a 13 seed, and I felt like they were either going to play Florida State, Virginia, or Purdue. And I really didn't want to see either one of those teams. I'm really glad that we don't have to see Florida State. Like That would have been the worst of the worst matchups. 
I was hoping that maybe somebody like Villanova or Creighton, like either they'd sneak up to the four line or we'd drop or we'd sneak up to the 12 line. Um, even the Oklahoma state, I maybe might've taken that, um, that matchup. But I mean, the reason I really didn't want to see Purdue was obviously their, their length. And so, yes, their, their initial big guy presents a problem, but you know, we know how to guard the post, right? Yeah. We've, We've spent the past two games. We we have the blueprint, right? But Purdue also knows what our blueprint is as well, too. But we we guarded ODU in the post. We guarded Louisiana Tech. We hit Charles Bassey in the post. And I think some of how we defended Charles Bassey, I think it came from how Houston defended Charles Bassey when they went down there. It it seemed very similar the way we swarmed. And so that's – well, a couple things. Things. Houston did a great job. I thought UAB did a great job because I think that UAB held them to like seven points or something like that in like yeah. their and couple matchups. I think the, oh, the biggest the issue that's what I'm thinking. Sorry. for us will be is that next line. So, right, you obviously got to get Zach some some rest. Can Usman hold himself up against the Ivy? Or I Eddie? Like, yeah, I like Usman a lot. I think – I mean, he's willing to battle, and he's a big dude, and he's just kind of eager to do stuff. I don't know that, like, uh, uh, Michael Robinson can kind of do that, even though he has the athleticism. I just don't think he has the, the game time to kind of do that. Um, no, no. I, I, you, this is definitely a game where you have to have Usman and you have to have Simmons playing well and staying out of foul trouble because if those two guys get in foul trouble, then we're, we're in serious trouble. And, I mean, that's – that's one of those big X factors. You don't know how the referees are going to call a game. We, we came, we're coming out of a conference tournament where basically you had to have football pads on to go in the paint. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I just like for somebody like even JV on Hamlin, a conference USA player of the year, the dude gets no respect when he goes to the basket, he literally gets hammered and does not get any calls. And it, those I will also conference USA tournament referees. Who, yeah, I will um, give a questionable bit of a relationship credit. with basketball. <laughs> yeah, I'll give them a little bit of credit because it was at least balanced. Yeah. Both teams weren't getting calls, but I mean, it was rough in there. If you weren't bleeding, there was no call. <laughs> so you get in the NCAA tournament, and if you're going to call touchy fouls, it's going to be extremely difficult for us to to win with Zach and Usman in foul trouble. Yeah, if if, if they stay out of foul trouble. We got a shot. Yeah, just the way I see it, and and here's where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, because I, I think that the reason I think they kind of remind me of, like, North Texas is that they're kind of streaky shooters sometimes, and when they're on, I mean, obviously everybody, when you can make threes, you're better. Um, I think their season average, Purdue season average, is like 7.1 out of 21.2 from three, and that's to the 33% you're talking about. Ours is 7.6 out of 20. Right, so we make one more off of like one less shot per game, and that makes it thirty-seven percent. But in effect, seven threes is seven threes, right? And you know they're making also seven threes against Big Ten competition, and we're making them against you know Rice. Um, I think that is a thing to consider. But everything else you said, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. Like we've played guys, big guys, right? Like Zach is not. It's not going to be the first time that Zach. Simmons has had to guard somebody that's quote unquote more athletic than he is, right? I mean, you know, uh, you look at North Texas the last couple seasons, even three seasons, right? We haven't been the biggest, tallest, fastest team, right? Uh, definitely not the the the. We don't have the length, and 
they play tough, right? They play they play hard. Like you said, they challenge everything. They make everything difficult because, you know, it, being big is just the starting point, right? Like Zach Eady, like I said, he's just kind of big there. But if he's not hustling, if he's not getting on the ground, if he's not, he doesn't close out threes, right? Um, if you're not doing those kinds of things, then you're you're not taking full advantage of your height and, and size or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I totally agree. They're gonna they're gonna clog the paint and they're gonna challenge shooters, you know. And I think that's the part where it's like, like you said, it's gonna come down to, hey, can you make a standstill three point shooter, right? Like the Houston Rockets '95, throw it into to, to Hakeem, and then you're waiting out there, catch and shoot. That's it. Sometimes some players that's that's fine. Like, oh yeah, I can catch and shoot threes all day. And for some players, it's not so great. Like you know, I, I'm more of a run off the screens. I like to catch it Reggie Miller style and shoot that three. And standing still and shooting it, that's just not my game. I I think the other point you made earlier is a good one, right? What happens, I wrote this earlier, like what, what I think a North Texas win looks like, is that it's a little closer than Purdue fans feel like it should be. Maybe Purdue feels like it. They look up, they're like, how are we tied in this three minutes left? And then they kick it inside, you know, it's a clutch moment, and they they – ball comes back out to a shooter a freshman shooter and he has just a little bit of nerves and he does he, you know he short he, he snake arms that shot air you know misses it and then you know like north texas has no fear because they're like well I'm, we're seniors late in team we we shouldn't be in this game. all that stuff um and i think i wonder that kind of feeds on itself and produce kind of you know like i said they 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 don't live up to the moment all that said the thing that we're well stefanovich played in that elite eight, eight game uh, Travion Williams, who was a player on um, on that team, um, I think uh, one of these other guys, I forget that that's in the rotation was at least part of that team. So you know, you're like, this is a team that played against Virginia, like went deep into the tournament. They were part of that team. They're not going to be scared. I think a Purdue fan could make that argument, but um, you know, it, it really depends. In that moment, can that guy make that shot? I think most Purdue fans will tell you that they think that it's not going to be that far. Um, of a possession lead, right? There, yeah. both the way that the, both these teams play, yeah. there's not a lot of possessions in the game. You have to be efficient with the possessions that you do have, and both offenses have that ability to be efficient. So, for if you're in North Texas, what my hope would be is to get to that under four timeout or get to that four minute mark, and you're only two possessions down, right? Because then we we feel comfortable about it. Yeah. comfortable about our chances there but i think one of the things that kind of sticks out like you know we know north texas is going to defend they're going to challenge everything and they're going to probably get some steals and do some stuff we don't know how how well purdue's going to shoot they could be streaky yeah one like my, my biggest concern is obviously offensive rebounding like that was they dominated you know, if, you, that, yeah. if you look at mississippi state game you know we just got destroyed I felt like we were the better team and we should have won that game. I thought it was a bad loss at the time. And we gave up like 21 offensive rebounds, I think, in that game. Or that might have been the West Virginia game. Either way, those big-time games, we just got killed on the offensive boards. And that's, you know, Purdue's not a great shooting team, but they can kill you on the offensive boards, right? They, they That's, that's what the, their big strength there, yeah. Yeah, so even if they put up – a tough contested shot, we got to be able to clear it out for one possession. Yeah. Right. We did a great job against Western Kentucky of doing that. Same thing with Louisiana Tech. 
you had the guards. I mean, Hamlet, Reese, McBride. McBride rebounded really well in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have that same type of focus. Like it, You're not even trying or worrying about the fast break. And I don't even think Purdue's worrying about the fast break. They're going to send everybody to the board. We're going to send everybody to the board. we got to find a way to clear it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's again, that's why I think that these two teams are mine. Like, they both want to do the same things. They're like, no, look, we're not going to run because we believe we could beat you in the half court. Um, we're, we believe in defense, and we believe in getting rebounds. And I think both are tough. I mean, yeah, I, I was thinking about this Arkansas game, the Arkansas game, Mississippi State game, West Virginia, Loyola Chicago. Every one of those games was a tough game for North Texas. They lost all of them, right? 0-4 and them. Mm-hmm. But they played well. They were in it. Um, you know, like, if we were in a conference with all those teams, um, you know, like, obviously we're not going to be doing well in that one. But also I think if we were in a conference with all those teams, we might have one other guy, maybe, you know what I mean, just by virtue of being associated with them. And that might have made the difference. And, you know, like I said, I think that, that could be – we could see something similar here. You know, like if you look at all those four games, I could see, wow, North Texas really defended. They hung around. They made it tough. They didn't give anything away. But it turns out that, um, like you said, second line, Usman was not really a match for Edie or, you know, the guy coming off the bench just dominated his matchup against whoever our guy was in that moment. I'm I'm with you, though, kind of like on Usman. Like I'm excited to see that matchup because – He's not like some skinny freshman, six yeah, ten yeah. big guy. Like he's got some girth and size to him. So I want to see him battle against the seven four. Like I, I think he's going to accept the challenge, and I think that's going to be a fun type of matchup uh, to watch there. Both those freshmen going at it. Yeah, I mean, what is it, Usman? He's six ten. What is? Uh, I don't know. Like, do I have his uh, his girth here? <laughs> I don't know what that. Uh, I know he's six. He's a big guy. Um, I like you know, like uh, just speaking on him a little bit. Uh, he, he, he didn't have a whole lot of minutes at him one time. I think Old Dominion played thirteen minutes or something like that. Only had four points. Um, he doesn't really get a lot of time, but I think whenever he comes in, he does a great job. You know, like he usually has like a specific exi- assignment, like go in there, rebound, play defense, clean up the glass, right? There, we're not running any sets to get Usman on the post to have him, you know, showcase his uh, post skills. And that's fine for right now, right? In the future, we'll see what he has as he develops his game. But, you know, he got, was it two points? It was a clutch two points because there were plus minutes, right, while Zach Simmons got rest. Clutch two points in, in one of these games. I forget what it was. Let me look it up so I don't sound stupid. Yeah, two points against West Kentucky. He had four yeah. against Old Dominion. Both of those, are like – those stretches that three minutes against Western Kentucky, huge, no scores, uh, against tech, but he had good minutes defending, running up and down the floor, you know, making it difficult. So we're going to need that from that guy. Yeah. I mean, we've talked enough, I think about how our defense matches up against their offense, but you know, their defense versus our offense, you know, obviously they're really good defensive efficiency team painter, they do a really good job scouting their teams. They're, you know, 100% man-to-man. They're not going to play any zone, which I think benefits us. They do have the length and size. They're not they're not UAB, like, where they're, you know, there's not Jameson, Jameson down there throwing shots. It is Jameson. That's weird. I, I want to call him Jameson, but it's Jameson. <laughs> Jameson. They're not 
They're not a huge shot blocking team, even though they have the size. I know they're seven foot four guy. He can definitely block shots. Travion Williams, not a he's not a great shot blocker. So I think the knock on him is that he kind of loses attention sometimes. Like he's not the best defender. You know, that's not his game. He's he's kind of like yeah, run my set so I can maybe get you know get back on <laughs> on offense. Yeah, and I, look if you you listen to like all their fans, they they specifically talk up the Eric Hunter. Right, saying that mm-hmm. he's the shutdown defender of the year. I don't know if he was like all conference defense in the Big Ten or not, because the way they talk about him, you would imagine that this dude is at how he shut down people. And then, you know, I don't doubt that he's a, a good defender, maybe you know, a really good defender, but you know, defending Javion is different. Yeah, he's not lightning quick. Um but he does have his moments when he just kind of lulls you to sleep and he'll blow past you. He does have the good size. They're both six foot four, but he does have a good 20 to 30 pounds on Hunter. So he's probably a little bit stronger. And the thing about Javion's game is the floater. He, mm-hmm. There's no specific spot where he has to get to to pull the floater, right? Yeah. It's anywhere within the three-point line, he'll put it up. And when you're defending a guy like that, that's very difficult because you don't know. You can sort of tell like they're dribbling to get to their spot. Oh, he's going to pull up here for a jumper. That's not him. You know, get in the lane, pull the floater. Or he'll do, you know, his patented, you know, he'll stop, you know, go back to the the left hand, little um, almost jump shot floater in the lane type of thing. Yeah, the little reverse pivot he does. That just kind of – if you look at the – I think the game tying – bucket in overtime and then the game winning bucket two floaters and there were two different floaters right like one was like off of two feet like jump get it up there and the other one was like uh off of one foot right as i'm rising up throw it at the rim so i think you're right like those guys that they can change it's like with steve nash right steve nash was not going to really dunk on you or anything like that but because he just kept his dribble and he could just like turn around he would jump off the wrong foot a lot of that stuff throws you off and you're like I could have blocked that shot if I knew it was coming. I just didn't know it was coming. That's my problem, right? Um, yes. I mean, I'm not doubting Hunter's ability to defend him. I just yeah. think he's a really tough person to defend no matter how quick you think he is. He's got shifty um, speed to him. And he can get he gets downhill in a hurry. Yeah. And, you know, he can, you know, just lower you to death and hit you with a floater or jump shot. So, you know, that's that'll be one interesting matchup to watch. And then, obviously, Thomas Bell, you know, they'll probably match up their freshmen at the four spot there. And, and that guy's more of a defender and a glue guy, kind of like Thomas as well, too. Thomas, he's got to be able to hit the threes. Um, mm-hmm. All the different guys, you know, Drez and Reese, they got to be able to stretch out the Purdue defense. Purdue wants to, you know, not allow stuff in the paint. Even though, you know, they're um, – they're not giving up a high percentage amount of threes. I mean, the majority of the points that they do eventually give up, it does come from the three-point area. Yeah, I mean, I think they do a good job. Just, from, again, from what I saw of them, what I've read, and, like, looking at the numbers, they they defend really well. Like you can see that, you know, they get beat, you know, against good competition. Everybody gets beat. Get buckets scored against them. But – they don't make it easy. They challenge those passes, right? You can't just – there's not a whole lot of, well, they're going to give me this pass. Like, all of that stuff, they're going to make you work for it. The same way North Texas does. You try to make a pass, they're challenging it, trying to get a steal. Um, 
and then they defend the paint well just by being big and then they're a good rebounding squad. But what we do well, the pick and roll offense, the isolation game, they tend to struggle with at times. Mm-hmm. They're big guys. Like if you're going to get, you know, a seven foot four guy out there involved in the pick and roll defense, I mean, that could be a problem for them. Mm-hmm. Travion Williams, same thing. He does um, have some issues in the pick and roll defense. So, we do that very well. Zach does that really well. So that's one area where you could see it. Isolation offense. You just kind of – Purdue is a really good team defense. They rotate really well. Um, they understand those things. That's kind of like an Indiana staple. You got the shell shell um, in, in practice, you know, yeah. moving the ball around. Everybody knows where to be. Mm-hmm. But you get against these, you know, ISO guys and – then that becomes very difficult because you're just kind of standing around watching him. And then before you know it, James Reese is flying over the back for a lob and a dunk. So, I mean, that could be, you know, and especially with young guys too, sometimes they, they get lost easier on defense. Yeah. I think what, you know, a North Texas win to me looks like obviously Javion Hamlet doing his thing, getting clutch buck. He doesn't necessarily need to get 25 points or something like that. But he needs to get the important points. Like, we need a bucket here. Um, you know, like, w- we still need to be able to run our offense. We can't, you know, if they trap him and they do, like, some Steph Curry stuff, we got to hit those open shots, right? Guys have to make good decisions with the ball. And I think that's where we're a little weak that, you know, JV on Hamlet going downhill off a of rotation, right, catch it, and he's attacking. I have great confidence he's going to make a good basketball decision. Everybody else, not so much. Like, there's degrees to it. Uh, it kind of depends on the moment. But you could see it uh, when we were, you know, still in the ball going down against West Virgi- uh, uh, Western Kentucky, and we're, like, throwing a lob that kind of misfires. We're making a pass that goes nowhere. And you're just like, ah. Or, like, there's Zach Simmons open on the dump-off pass, and it hits his knee. You know, you're just like, if we could just get that pass where it needs to be good things will happen. And that's where I'm a little concerned about, uh, you know, their game plan against us. Cause I think if I'm game planning against North Texas, I'm like, all right, Hunter, you're going to do great. But every like three minutes, we're just going to, you know, send a trap at him. Like right when he crosses half court, right when he's like looking over for a play or pointing at somebody to set a screen, we're going to trap him, make him make a play. And just to throw North Texas off, especially when there's like the second team out there, let's do that and see if these other guys could do something. Yeah, I mean, if I was game planning against North Texas, I would make Hamlet beat me from the outside. Yeah, leave him open, let him shoot a three. Just just to see. Like, I know he's capable. We know he's capable mm-hmm. of knocking down multiple ones. But I think I would probably start, like, sagging off and not allowing North Texas to get inside the lane. Um, for me, for North Texas, I don't think there's much that they have to change in their game plan to attack Purdue. I think if they're – if they run their normal offense and do it efficiently, they're going to get good shots against this team. They can get good shots against them. Yeah, I think it's an underrated thing that Hamlet can get into the paint and flip up those floaters because that is the area that teams are trying to get. They, they give that up sort of. They're like, no threes, defend the rim. That's fine. We're not trying to dunk on anybody, and Hamlet doesn't really want to shoot threes. I mean, he can, like you said, but he wants to get in that middle area. And once you start getting kind of killed by that, you're like, man, he just he scored six in a row um, in a little – maybe I'll step up and I'll try to throw it out this guy, says the big man. And he steps up and then he does a little drop-off pass. Zach Simmons gets a little little 
two foot hook shot, you know? I think yeah. that yeah, that's how that all works. And also, we're talking about Hamlet and his floater. He can get to the rim. He has a nice layup package himself. Um and I mean that's why he he was uh conference USA player of the year last year. And uh tournament MVP this year. Now that you don't have Ruben, there's really nobody else that you know can get to the rim. Um I was I was happy to see Jerez um attack. Um he showed that capability against um Western Kentucky to really get in the lane and make some nice passes. And he kind of did it throughout the tournament, but you know, he wasn't afraid. I mean, he took the ball straight at Josh Anderson early in the game and got the foul call. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is how it's going to be. <laughs> and, then, and then Thomas Bell took it at Charles. Bassett. I was like, okay. That, okay. I, I think all strategy aside, right. That's what we got to do. We got to attack. You got to take it in there. Like, you know, when I say shoot with confidence, I was kind of getting like, look, you get an open three pointer, attack it. But if you're gonna pump fake and attack, then you gotta attack. You can't pump fake, kind of do a little dance. Look, you know, as my coach said, like you're not good enough to take that shot, right? Um, sometimes you're not good enough to take that shot. You're not good enough to dance with the ball, do a little step back jumper. Um, not everybody on this team, and that's fine. It's okay. We don't need everybody to do that. We need one guy to do that. Everybody else shoot the open three or try to dunk on somebody. And that's fine. Like Thomas Bell, pump fake, he kind of hesitated, and then he said, you know what, let me take another dribble, power jump, try to, to yam on uh, Charles Bassett right here. Yeah. Cool. Do that. That's how you win games. Yeah, I think the recipe is very simple. I mean, they hit their threes, JV on make the big shots, um, be clutch, and to um, force Purdue into mistakes. Like I, They're not – they're not a team that doesn't like not turn it over. They do make mistakes on the offensive end. And when you have a defensive team like we have, where you force a lot of tough passes, um, you can get extra possessions that way. So any extra possessions you can force or get without giving up a shot, I think that's a bonus for us. And, and we're better at it than them. I think you already hit on to – the point of, you know, everybody, when they talk about North Texas, they're like, oh, you know, this team tends to throw the ball around a lot. And that typically occurs when we try a fast break, right? Mm-hmm. We're in our normal offense. It's not as um, prominent, right, when we're just running our um, normal half-court offense. So if we can protect the ball, force a few turnovers, um, hit the three-point shot, you know, Reese has got to be able to hit – Jerez, Thomas, even Hamlet, and then Hamlet just do his thing. I mean, like I said, get to that four-minute mark and you're within two possessions. and Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah, I'd like Zach Simmons to attack, catch it, and go. Um, I think in our half-court set, when we try to do skip passes from the post or something like that, like if they say, you know what, we're going to make Zach Simmons be a passer, and that's where we're going to be a little weak. Um, you know, to support your point there, I thought we did a good job against Western Kentucky challenging them. Like, when we came out aggressive, like attacking offensively, but I thought defensively also, they were kind of turning the ball over. Bassey was like kind of harassed, and he's like, you know what, let me just take this jumper. And he started settling because we're, you know, denying passes. And, you know what I mean? Like, we made it, we sped them up in ways that they didn't want to be sped up. And I think we can do that. Like, it's possible to speed up a team. And a lot of people think, well, that means you got to increase the tempo. Not necessarily, right? You can make them think quicker on offense. Like, they want to 
casually, you know, pass the ball, kind of jog through their offense. I, I pass it and I cut this way, V cut that way, pop out. All that sets up your offensive rhythm. But if you're like a hard deny and you're like, oh, nobody really ever hard denies me at this point. But I know my rules are like if I get hard denied, I got to cut back. When they kind of do it a little bit earlier than they're, re- than they're ready for, you know, that they're speeding up their options. And the guy's like, well, that was a hard deny. Usually I always pass it to this guy, but I know my rules. So now I got to dribble this way, dribble handoff. Now they're not really ready for that. They're ready for, you know I mean? Little things like that. It's hard to, it, I know I'm talking to you right now, listener, and then none of that makes any sense, but every offense has rules, right? Like you come down, there's a screen. If that's not open, you pass it to this guy, right? You get one or two options, three if maybe you have a sophisticated offense. And if North Texas is denying that first one and not giving the easy stuff and like really defending it and making them go down another, you know, decision tree that they're not necessarily practiced at or ready to do at that speed, that can speed you up in your offense. They got the shot that their offense is designed to get, but a little bit earlier than they wanted to get it and not in the same rhythm that they're used to getting it. And that can throw you off. Yeah. You know, one area where I, I'm a little bit concerned, not overly concerned is the first four minutes of the game. I, I don't want to see us in a position where we're, we're down double digits early. Yeah. This is a slow start. And you're like, okay, now we got to get going. Like I, I know that's happened in, in previous tournaments, but I just don't want to, you know, because Purdue is young, you don't want to give them a, a start yeah. like that, and then they get going fast. So, I mean, yeah, it's I hard. Like, first time playing at Lucas Oil Stadium, right? It's going to be – it's not the typical thing. Uh, I don't know that the attendance is going to be – because usually that's a factor, right? Like smaller schools, you, know, you go and there's maybe 3,000 people in the stands, and you go and it's full, and you're like, oh, man, I'm not really used to this. And you're playing a Big Ten team that's used to playing in front of big crowds, right? Um, so that's a little strange. That that reminds me, I, I was listening to a podcast with a former Maryland player, and they talked about that. They're like, I thought I was ready. You know, I was used to selling out the Garden, uh, Madison Square Garden. Then I he, he played overseas, and then, you know, they got flags and stuff, and, you know, like, it, like partisan Belgrade. And he was like, I thought that it was intense there, but it's intense. I wasn't ready for that. Uh, you know, he came out against nobody just to warm up, and they're cheering an hour before the game, like, we love you. So – um, that just reminds me of that anecdote. We've, we've been in nice places before. <laughs> right. And so you yeah. hope that they're, they're able, you know, the Purdue fans think we're going to start fast. They think we're going to come out fired up and, and we should. That could I mean, be good or bad. Reason. That could be good or bad, fired up, right? I, like, I just kind of want it to, obviously, yeah, I'm a fan. I'd love to see them just blow out. But, well, North okay. Texas with a 30-point lead at halftime. How, you know. Yeah, obviously, you know, I'd love for us to go to, like, Florida Gulf Coast and dunk <laughs> city on them. Yes, I would love that. But, you know, what, what I'm just very hopeful is that it's just that one or two possession game throughout, yeah. right? You just – It's not never... good for my nerves, man. I don't – I can't <laughs> – I cannot take – I'm getting older every day, man. You know, I got a little gray hair right here. I cannot take – Two possession games, like one, like oh, I execute the offense. You know they're running around and the shot goes up, and I'm just like, oh, but that's I, that's I our game. That's that's the way that it has to be won. Yeah. They they realize that, right? Yeah. And so you as a fan, if you're listening, you're like, that's what you got to hope for. Yeah. Like that's what it is. It's one two possession games, and we're executing and we're getting stops, um, and they're hitting some stuff, but we're not losing. 
sight of them. It's not a double digit lead or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't I mean there's always a possibility. I say like there's like a ten percent chance that we just get ran out the gym, right? Like we start slow, maybe someone gets injured and we're just like, you know what? On another day we'd play so much better, but today we just we just don't have it or whatever. I could see that happen. That that's a, a thing in basketball. Um but I think for the most part North Texas plays in any of like the you know, the bell curve, if it plays in any of the, the uh, one or two standard deviations of how they play, I think North Texas is going to be within, you know, a couple possessions. And that if anything happens, like the most likely scenario is that Purdue pulls away a little bit with just talent, maybe a depth talent, right? Maybe Edie is too much for Usman. Maybe there's foul trouble at the wrong time. And they kind of pull away and it's like an 11-point win for them. And they feel good about it, but they're like, man, it was close there. And they're like, how about that North Texas team? They really hung in it, and they're pretty good, and blah, 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 that kind of thing. I don't think it's a bad scenario. Uh, but, you know, I think we have a good shot. Like I said, we we got Javion Hamlet, and that dude's uh, he's going to be in the North Texas Hall of Fame. I was always wondering, like you saw Josh White back then, uh, you know, Tristan Thompson, uh, those guys. I was kind of wondering, I was like, when, what's the next North Texas Hall of Fame? Where's it going to be the next basketball player that we're just like, this dude – Give him the ball because he's going to win the game for us. Like, when's that guy going to come? You never know. Right? This ta- a lot yeah. of guys been talented. But you never know when you're going to get that guy. You're like, just when he got the ball in his hands, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he he's one of those guys who deserves <laughs> to have his number hanging from the rafters. But, you know, it was a group of the, the four guys um, back then. And actually, you had like the fifth guy because you had Shannon Shorter. You know, he was good. And, Tramiel and Adufawa and Tristan and Josh White and mm-hmm. Tramiel left. Um, and then you just had the four of them. But if you look through that team that went to the um, – that won the Sun Belt, the last one. In 2010, yeah. They did it with no bench either. When you yeah. go back and look at the box scores, it was the same way that this group did. It was, yeah. I mean, you know, four seniors. But that's not, you know, that's back to, very typical of, like, mid-majors. Yeah, yeah, getting back to your, like, Hall of Fame comments – each one of those guys, um, the, the seniors, Zach, I mean, you can make a case for him being in the U- UNT Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, I, I'd put him in, like him in the MingreenNation.com Hall of Fame. <laughs> you got to put Zach Simmons in there because I think yeah, that yeah. he's, I mean, one, he's been a part of those same teams that Javion Hamlin's been a part of, right? So you get yeah. that boost. It's basically like, hey, were you one of the best players, the key players on a couple of championship winning teams? Yes. Yes, you were. Hall of Fame. Do we yeah. need to be? Do we need to be stingy with a Hall of Fame? No, we do not need to be. Give him the Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't think he gets like Conference USA Hall of Fame. I think, I mean, I, Conference USA is like it goes beyond the since 2013 that we've been in here. But I think you're gonna have to put in guys from these last couple of years. I mean, if I said, hey, here's a guy who won Player of the Year, he won a Tournament MVP. Um, you know, he was a leading scorer and the the guy on a regular season champion and a conference tournament champion. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Are you going to say no to that? You know, I think Javion Ham is Conference USA Hall of Famer. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I mean, <laughs> my feelings about him. I mean, look, he's the best North Texas player I've ever seen play. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, I tweeted out about watching Texas basketball when I was younger, loving T.J. Ford and Tucker and. Kevin Durant and all those guys. And look, TJ Ford is, you know, always has a special place in my heart, like for favorite person, player to watch. 
And I would say JB on Hamlet is either above him or tied with him just because just the way he plays the game, right? Just he, he just has that infectious attitude on the court, plays with the smile sometimes, doesn't let his team lose. I've never seen somebody just will their team as much as he did. You know, there's there's a lot I, I love basketball, right? You know, um and I totally agree. I, I remember those Texas teams. T.J. Ford, James Thomas, all of that, right? Uh, was it Boddicker out there? Boddicker, you know, he hit a couple threes. They almost beat uh, – they almost made a little comeback against Syracuse in that game, right? He hit a couple threes. I was like, got to give it back to Boddicker. His was brother the- was on the broadcast of one of the games this past week, Colin Boddicker. I was like, boy, talking about random. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, I like that Texas team too. And, I mean, one, that, that team was they, – they grind. It was a grinding, grinding out team. There's a lot of – a lot of ugly basketball in there compared to today, like modern basketball, you know what I mean? Uh, it's not a whole lot of pace and space. Like, TJ Ford can shoot, you know what I mean? Like, he was he still he was the pace and space, man. Yeah. He, was, he was a one-man fast break, and, I mean, that was, you know, Rick Barnes had to have the point guard, and, and they moved up and down the court, but, yeah, it's just... I mean, I, I don't want to talk about Texas basketball. You and I can talk about Texas basketball, at least that version of it, because uh, I do remember that squad. Uh, I was a big fan of TJ Ford also. Uh, I will say, look, let's talk about North Texas and, their, and the state of the program, right? I think a lot of been – you won a championship. you got to look back. All right, where are we? You know, there's some people like, can you think, believe, just four years ago we hired – all that's great, right? All that's cool. There's a good contingent of fans that are like, yeah, this ain't our first rodeo. We did see, you know, Johnny Jones win the Sun Belt. And I think, um, you know, if you're unfamiliar with it, they went to three straight – Sunbelt championship games, right? That 2010 team was really good because they won the regular season title and the conference tournament. The next couple teams were a little, yeah, they're a little hit or miss, right? They kind of were like eight and eight in conference or something like that, but they still, they turned it on when they needed to. They went to the conference tournament, right? I mean, to the, to the final. Uh, one, Shannon Shorter got, speaking of, um, was it the Bozeman dude from UALR? Hit a three in his face to win again. That was no. just the worst. Yeah, that sports was... day. Ever. <laughs> I, I remember that. I was in the apartment in Gautier, Mississippi, working on the Deepwater Horizon spill, and <laughs> watching that dude hit that. Sh- I just I turned all the lights off and just sat there in darkness. I forget where I was. I think I might have been like at a TGI Fridays, which is why I never remember being at a TGI Fridays or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and my wife would be like, you want to go when they still existed? Like, they closed down or whatever. He's like, you want to go there? I was like, I don't think I've ever been there. She's like, yes, you have. I'm like, I, I don't know. But anyway, I remember that. that like, that's what I'm saying. That's as close as you can get to winning a title without winning a title. Like the other team hits a miracle three in your face, whatever. The next year, play Western Kentucky, right, with, uh, with uh, um, you know, Tony, uh, Tony Mitchell. Um, they had Chris Jones on that team. Was it Chris Jones? Is that his name? Chris Jones, Alzi. Yeah, uh, Jordan Williams was on that squad. I, I think he got hurt or something. I forget exactly the details of 2012. Forgive me if I don't remember 2012 that in detail. But uh, yeah, I watched it a little bit. You can watch that tournament game on YouTube. I don't. Yeah, North <laughs> North Texas had a shot to like go up by two or tie the game with like 30 seconds left. They were that close to winning that game against Western Kentucky. Hated West Kentucky. Um, and, you know, three straight three straight conference title appearances, and it was set up for the future, right? Uh, Jones, Williams were really good players for North Texas uh, in the coming years. It really just all kind of went to crap with, uh, you know, 
he shall not be named named Tony Bedford. I named <laughs> him. Uh, that was that was terrible. Waste of time. Waste of money. Waste of talent. Uh, but now that we've hired a coach that could do well, I think that sort of supports the point that friend of the show Billy made on Twitter, where he was saying you can just hire a guy. Like if you just don't make bad hires, like a Tony Benford hire, and you make a good hire, right? A Johnny Jones, uh, Grant McCaslin, you'll be all right. And you know, like, should we, should we back up the Brinks truck? You know, should we go to Denton Community Bank and say, just give me all the money? I need a loan because I got to pay this guy. You know, all the money. Look, it's. Are you talking about back up the Brinks truck for Grant to keep him? Yes, yeah, that kind of thing. I think you just have to look at the climate of everywhere around you, right? It's Grant right now is not running off to like there's a lot of jobs that are open. There's Minnesota, Utah opened up, Penn State, which we didn't hit on this. The um, Purdue's their offensive coordinator per se um, is now the Penn State head coach. Yeah, what's um, his name? I, I, Micah, Micah something, right? Shrewberry or something. He coached with the. The Celtics as well too with Tatum. Anyways, that that could be an X factor. He's going to coach during the tournament, but yeah, um, he might still. be thinking that what he he might have eyes. Barry, yeah, maybe. Yeah, is he going to be like uh, the dude? Uh, do they win to Texas? That guy, or is it going to be like Lane Kiffin, who was already thinking about the next job? <laughs> he got fired. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he got fired by, he, by, the um, day he got the job, like four of his the players on the team entered the transfer portal. So. It was kind of like, hey, where's my team? I got one guy left. Anyways, plenty. There's like, there's gonna be a ton of jobs opening it up, but the jobs that I think McCaslin would take are the Texas. ones that are closer in the yeah. So tech, obviously, that job's not open yet, but Beard could be in Indiana. Um, Scott Drew at Baylor. We obviously we the con- connections there are very strong, um, but they their assistant coach. Um, I think what's his name, like Jerome Tang or something. I, I think yeah. he's a very good candidate as well for their own job. Um, Texas Shaka, I could see Shaka going somewhere because he doesn't want to be in Texas, but I don't think Texas goes after McCaslin. I think they go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, also, you know, Shaka won a Big Twelve tournament because Kansas decided that they couldn't play in the tournament. So yeah, you got Houston, you got Sampson, and his son's going to be the next coach there, so he's not going anywhere. A&M, just back, they backed up the Brinks truck for Buzz Williams. They, that's not going anywhere. Then you got Musselman at Arkansas. He's not going anywhere. And then you got the dude at LSU. He's not going anywhere unless – and LSU ain't coming to North Texas to get McCaslin. So everywhere in the like the region around are very – the jobs are, are secure. Same thing Oklahoma with Kruger and Oklahoma State with, with their dude who made the, um, the good run this year. Um, so, you know – I, I just don't see him running off to uh, maybe like a, an upper quality mid-major team because he can kind of do that here at North Texas. Um, and so should you back up the Brinks truck for him? No, but you should pay him respectable. He should be one of, or if not, the top paid coach in Conference USA or right there with – you know, look, you're not going to pay probably as much as Western Kentucky, and you're not going to pay as much as probably UAB, but you should be pretty close to paying Grant the same way. But I'm not – it's not one of those things where we have to keep Grant to continue our success, right? Having 
an athletic director like Ren Baker, he knows basketball. He knows basketball coaches because of, you know, that's part of his background. I mean, yeah. being with Eddie Sutton. So you have a good feel like this dude's going to – he knows people. Same with like yeah. in our coaching staff, Ross Hodge. If, if Grant left and Hodge was named the next head coach, I think most people around the program would feel pretty comfortable with the direction. Yeah, I think I was going to just kind of support you. You want to pay him commensurate with his success and then also with the expectation, right? Like, where do you want North Texas to be? Like, if you're deciding that, what is our budget? What do we want North Texas to be? Um, and then, like, what have you done so far for North Texas? And I think, you know, top three, top four. If he's getting bottom half of the conference and he's disrespected, he's like, you know what? Somebody's got to pay me, man, you know? That's not. I think he gets paid in the top four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I think that is a reasonable amount, and then you give him the bonus and whatever. I think what's what's different about like FBS, right, and like Seth Luttrell, that kind of thing, and like uh, you know, college basketball, D1 college basketball, is that you can basically earn your own salary, right? You make the tournament. Um, you basically now, like, hey, look, I know you have the budget now because I just got you a nice winning share for the conference the next couple seasons, right? Like, we got a nice, uh, what is it? I forget. The, basically, a slice of the ter- tournament revenue, right? That's coming in. We know that's coming in, so I give me 10% of that, whatever. You can help yourself in that fashion. Um, and I think that's that also, like, knowing that you can go in there and compete and be in the tournament, you know, is a possibility. FBS, if Seth Luttrell goes undefeated, the most likely scenario is that we're just tweeting about it at the end of the season, like, bring on Bama, that's it, and nothing happens. We play in, like, the Gator Bowl, right? That's like, that's it. If Grant McGaslin goes undefeated, then we're national champions, right? That's, that's what happens, and that's always been the case. I wrote about that, like, in 2009 when I first started this blog, that that's why basketball – you know, you got. I think there should be more money, more resources put into basketball because of that. You have the potential to win it, to win a title of the two major right revenue sports, whatever. That one has the potential to do great things. If you're gonna make an investment yeah. in a coach, make it in one that can get you real close, make a tournament run, because that, that you know, that is more likely than, you know, you beating Nick Saban out for the kinds of recruits that are gonna win you a, a you know a bowl game. Oh. And, and that's kind of the missing piece for McCaslin and really the North Texas program. Yes, they were good under Johnny Jones. It won, got to the tournament, 20-plus um, winning seasons. Same thing with Grant. But we're not a brand yet mm-hmm. because we haven't made that signature run in the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. If if this team goes to the Sweet 16 this year, then, yeah, Grant's probably going to get a pretty good job opportunity. It may not be here, but it may be somewhere else. He'll be in consideration, and he'll probably leave for it because it'll be tough to turn down, um, you know, somewhere. Yeah, um, some little life-changing money, career-making money. I, I wouldn't blame him if he did that. Um, no, but that's that's what we need, like, right now is that – we need the run in the tournament. We got to win one or two games to create the North Texas brand of basketball. Yeah, we're close. We have the potential to do it this year, um, but we'll see. That's that's always the case, right? Like, how did Gonzaga become Gonzaga? Right, number one Gonzaga. I remember when they were like cutesy little Gonzaga, like the Zags. Look at them, the little bulldogs out there. Ain't they cute? They got a little hey, win. Hey, hey. 
Yeah. Casey Calvary, Dan Dickow, the slipper still fits. That was my team, man. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is that, like, it started out that way. You follow Gonzaga. They're a cute little team that could. Like, let's do it. Gonzaga, what a funny name. Isn't that funny? That that was kind of the thing, the, the attitude. And then it started to become like, hey, they're pretty good. You know, like, then they get beat. And, then, you know, like by a Cinderella coming up. And, you know, slowly but surely, they become a juggernaut, right? Now they're, they've been the best team in America like two years in a row now. Um, you have Gonzaga, Creighton, Wichita State. Yeah. Those teams were like, um, even you could even say like Western Kentucky. I mean, the reason Western Kentucky, obviously, yeah, they're in Kentucky and they can, uh, it's a basketball state, but I mean, they got in the tournament and won games. Mm -hmm. Dayton Mm -hmm. won games in the tournament. Sorry, my wife just made some donuts and I'm eating a donut right now. It's very delicious. She didn't want to make it and she did. I forced it to it. I'm a bully, right? Um, I was going to say, yeah, in terms of Conference USA, right, I, I mentioned this on the on the show, the last show I did, that to me, Western Kentucky is still the standard of this conference, right? And you may be like, well, they're not. They went to, they've gone to three straight Conference USA championship games. Um, they were in the national conversation, like Western Kentucky, can they get in that large bid, that kind of thing. Nobody's talking about North Texas that way, right? We're still at the stage where people are saying cutesy names about us. The Mean Green. And they kind of laugh about that all the time. So, like, what a crazy name. Written for the <laughs> Mean yeah. Green. Yeah. Western Kentucky went to three conference championships um, and consecutive years with a terrible coach. <laughs> <laughs> so Rick Stansberry is not a good coach. Yeah, I, 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 that's fine because they have a really talented team. And if they wanted to and they had a good coach, they would have blown out that game. You know, you play a team on playing their fourth game in four days with a short bench. You know, I feel yeah, like you, you look at their team on paper and it's just like, oh my gosh, how do how does somebody like us compete against them? Well, you know, <laughs> it helps if your coach doesn't doesn't really know what he's doing. So, yeah, there's a lot of limitations in conference USA, right? A lot of it is resources. Resources. There'll be more of those. You start winning the tournament, like Marshall winning the game. I think they beat Wichita State, right? That they was did. a big. That yeah, was a big win going to Sweet. They got a little shine, um, you know. I, I mentioned this. They haven't really done anything since, right? You know that the next year they brought John Elmore back, and they finished like middle of the pack in Conference USA. You know, if you're a casual observer, you're like, "What happened to that guy? Did he graduate or something?" Like, no, he came back and they didn't do anything. That's that's not really a way to tell your story. Um, you know, you have to be consistently in there, right? Every, you know what everybody does at this time of year? They fill out the bracket. And that means they look at your name, right? If you want to get your name, your brand of basketball, in front of everybody, you make the tournament. Because it's at least going to be printed up. And they write, hmm, who's going to win, Purdue or North Texas? Um, I mean, that's how I started learning. Yeah, we, when I, back in high school basketball, we used to just quiz each other on, on like, team names. Like, all right, the Gonzaga, they're the Bulldogs. You know what I mean? Like, West, well, Wichita State, the the Shockers. You know what I mean? Like, that was just kind of the deal. Yeah, there was no uh, there was no Kempom. There was no Haslam metrics no. Um, to help you decide on games. It was just your gut feel. How did we ever do it back then? <laughs> You're like, you know, I saw them on ESPN too. They didn't look that good uh, <laughs> in that one minute I saw them. 
uh, yeah, I, I think those kinds of things are like, you know, that's that's your brand building right there. This is a great time. The North Texas made the NCAA tournament. is great for the program because right now, what, Jimmy Fallon said North Texas, right? Hey. Even if it's just a joke, that's fine because they were making fun of the team. Again, the team with the silly name, Gonzaga. What a funny name. And now, you know, like, you build, you take whatever you can get, right? Look, all the elements are there. All the elements are there. You have the star player that everybody loves and Javion Hamlet. You've got the stories of of the team, Hamlet's story. You have Zach Simmons' story. Mm -hmm. Then you have the coaching staff of a a little fighter like McCaslin. Then you throw in the story. Everybody, you know, just from the the tweet today, Dream Dowling talking about, you know, the food and the quality of the conditions there. I don't know if you saw um, um, Goodman's tweet about it. Um, saying, you know, Jareem said, hey, look, man, we're here to, you know, the food is the food. You know, once you get past it, we're really – our players are just happy to be here and, and we're here to win. So, like, and everybody loves that guy. So everything lines up for North Texas to go ahead and create their brand this year. I like it. I feel good. I think um, we're just going to go ahead and say when we beat Purdue and then we beat the next uh, team. You know, I haven't looked at it to tell you that. I'm not a good Winthorpe or Nova. Yeah, we can be uh yeah, yeah. Everybody's picking uh Winthorpe to yeah. be Villanova. So we're gonna be beat up on Purdue, beat up on some Winthorpe, you know, get them out the tournament. So, so is that your your prediction is that North Texas beats Purdue? Yeah, when we when we beat Purdue and Winthorpe and then we line it up, you know, against Baylor and then Grant McGaslin says, you know, you should have made me the lead assistant, buddy, because now I'm gonna have to school you up, you know. <laughs> I, I uh so like if we're giving our predictions then do it give your prediction what's your real prediction there I, I think that whoever wins this game oh yeah is whoever going, wins this game it's going to the sweet 16 but put it on the line man put the shot up right don't pump fake no hesitations i'm getting there i'm getting there <laughs> you know you, you look at what's on the line and and when they're playing they're playing at you know we're, we're not playing west virginia on espn plus we're not playing Arkansas or Mississippi State on the SEC network. We're playing Purdue and Indiana in the NCAA tournament on TNT with our ungrateful friend Avery Johnson calling the game. Wait, come out. I didn't think his announcing was bad. Everybody hating on the guy. I didn't think he did it. <laughs> what was bad about his announcing? It was bad. We could get to it. You're ruining my prediction. Okay, so sorry. You're lining that up, and it's at a prime time game mm-hmm. because it's at 625 for us, 725 for the East Coast. Everybody's going to be watching. Mm. And at the end of the day, I tweeted out um, after the game, you don't bet against JV on Hamlet. And I'm not betting against JV on Hamlet. I will not do it. Does that mean I you're just believe- not going to place a bet, but you're going to make a prediction? What does that mean? That's not, that's mealy mouth. That's a very politician. I feel like you've been in politics too long. You've been in. <laughs> Look, I'm not betting against him to lose. They're not going to lose because of him. Hey, give me a final score. I'm gonna write this down in pin. Greg says. In pin. Let me see. Let me look at it. You know, most of the um the Ken Palm stuff and has the metrics actually has this game being relatively close. Yeah. Like a um I think Vegas has it seven and a half, has the metrics, has it sixty-four, fifty-nine, Purdue. And then I think uh, Ken Palm is something like 65 to 59 or something like that. So, yeah, 
Hey, I will go with a score of uh, North Texas 64 and uh, Purdue 60. Oh, I got a 58-57 North Texas. Go Mean Green. That's a, that's you know, I didn't have no preamble in there. I'm interested in why you hate on Avery Johnson. Look, Avery Johnson came to my, my elementary school, right, when I was in elementary. Oh, here we go. This he is gave the he, did a little trivia. I got it right because I have all the answers. And I went up there. He's like, come on over here. And I went over there, and he gave me a ticket, and that was my first Spurs game. So I got special feelings for Avery Johnson, the little general. Sure, I was in fifth grade, and I might have been taller than the guy. But I have no uh, feelings. I like to that. hold a grudge against people. And you start out that game by saying North Texas ain't got no chance because they can't stop no Charles Bassey and all this crap spouting that he threw out there. I mean, he basically picked the game. He already picked Purdue to beat North Texas, and he's calling the game. I mean, he picked his bracket, but I mean, I thought he did. Look, I, I thought whatever you said by Avery Johnson, that he gave a reasonable prediction. He said, look, they're fresher, they're tougher. But in the game, I mean, he did, he wasn't. He was like, that's a good play. You know, JV on Hamlin, good handle he's got in here. I thought he did good basketball analysis. He made some corny jokes. Give me Jim Nance. Give me Jim Nance and Bill Raffrey. I'm like, if we're playing in Lucas Oil Stadium, why are we getting the A team? Yeah. Why are we getting like the F team? I'll tell you what, man. We win a couple games. You know, Jim Nance is going to be a hello, friends. Let me talk to Javion Hamlin over here. about chills, hello, friends, and the CBS basketball intro. I'm like, okay. Uh, man, it's, it's made me nervous. I just feel like, you know, it's coming back. It just reminded me of that. It's kind of like how that Fox, uh, the baseball, um, baseball music, too. It reminded me of being nervous watching some baseball games, some close games. I'm like, it's, it's, you know. It is, it's just like the intensity. Like, I don't know, I know. man. It brought me back to, you know, last year when they beat Western Kentucky. And then, you know, you got what the I'm intro. Saying, I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing. It's like, I, I think that. Right now, it just reminds me, like, if I hear, like, the Fox baseball music, I think, oh, man, they're going to come back, zoom in on some guy's ear right now because he's, like, about to pitch, and they're like, you know, 3-2 is the count, bottom of the ninth. I'm like, you know, and you hear the crowd, oh, then, like, they throw it, and all of a sudden, the mic, they turn the mic up real high. It's like, whack. Uh, that, all that stuff, that's intense. That's what you tune in for. That's what I'm saying. You hear the CBS music. It means you know it's going to, yeah, it's game time. You're like, they come back to it, like, all right, uh, you know, three seconds left in this game. What are they going to, you know, that stuff, clutch time. How do you make a basket? You Run give the, the ball to Davion Hamlet. <laughs> you know, who leads the country in floaters made. Yeah, I saw that. I tweeted that out. That guy, he's, uh, apparently he's like friends with like Ken, Ken Palm and whatever. I don't, I don't know. know. It was a good video, actually. I mean, there was some I, I like, cheesy stuff for, for yeah, teams, yeah. but. I mean, for the most part, a lot of the teams, he actually gave you a sense of who he's, they are. Yeah, he's right? a former New Mexico assistant coach, so, you know. Yeah, um, yeah good stuff. A lot of Just a lot of good basketball writing out there. A lot of good stuff, um, if you're unfamiliar with it. Because like, I, I know a lot of people listen to it, they're like, the basketball team, they're good. Let me tune in, what it's all about. So I apologize if we've been a little too inside basketball, because uh, yeah, I get it. But, you know, I've watched all these games all this season. I have very hot sports opinions about all of Conference USA, you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, the one thing that really, like, you know, gets me, kind of chokes me up is I wish that this group of seniors would have gotten the standing ovation that they deserved mm -hmm. for their last, you know, if they never come back, you know, to play another game, they won't get the send-off that they kind of deserved from the fans mm -hmm. from after. 
COVID took that away from us. And that, like, these dudes deserve some serious appreciation for what they've accomplished and just who they are as people, right? Even the coaching staff, man. You know, they've gone through so much the past two years, right, to have your season ripped away and to have issues with your families, to struggle through all that and win back-to-back championships, right? Like, you feel like the, the super pitch should be packed Everybody should be on their feet and, you know, clapping for them. Yeah, I think that that's definitely one thing that, I mean, I, I think everybody's going to have fond memories of this squad. Um, but I think it's going to be a little bit different than it was with, you know, there's a lot of people that really have strong ties and strong feelings about like those Johnny Jones teams because they were at the pit. They're in the, you know, like the student section. Like every yeah. time I tweet out something about it, people are like, oh, look, look at me. That was me there. Do you remember we were talking mess to the Denver guy? All those stories that tie you, like those experiences that tie you to the team. And then, I mean, I still remember Josh White hitting the jumper, uh, the the layup to, I think it was Ty sent it to overtime or to beat Texas Tech um, when they came to the pit, right? Little things like that. They didn't win anybody in no championship or something like that, but it was just that kind of thing that ties you to the team. And, yeah, you can get it when you're watching it on CBS Sports Network on a on a Saturday but it's not quite the same as being at Frisco, you know, like at the star, just that whole experience there. And, you know, like I I think that's one of the casualties of the pandemic. Uh, I certainly, yeah, let's put it into context. People died, right? People that haven't seen their grandparents, they haven't seen their kids, that kind of stuff. There are obviously worse things. I don't want to minimize those things, but this is a thing. And, you know, we're talking about basketball. So in the context of basketball, that's one of the things we're missing out on. And, and I do think it's, you know, it's kind of sad also. Yeah. I, I felt happy on Saturday for obviously for not losing to Western <laughs> Kentucky. Cause I hate those guys. <laughs> um, you know, I felt happy as a fan, you're going to the tournament, but I think I felt most happy was for those guys, man. Like it just, again, their stories, like I just felt overwhelmed for them. They accomplished their mission. They came back and got it done. I mean, I don't think there's much else to say about that. So, I, you know, you gave it a long preamble. 64-60, that's where ex- North Texas is winning it, just on the strength, you know. Um, yeah, I, you know, I turned on, I like doing it every once in a while, basketball time. I turn on a little Luther Vandross, I put on a little one-sided moment. My wife thinks that's the most corny song, and it is. It's not a good song, but you watch yeah, it with some basketball highlights it- on it. If Javion Hamlet is hitting the floater on one shining moment, then she's going to be over there with little tears running down her eyes. She's be like, oh, God, so yeah, all of that. Yeah. Like you just, you, that, that song just is made for him and his smile and everything. Right. Just let, let the, the floater, but you know, now nah, you know, crescendo was all of it. I like it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or whatever it's called, podcast, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's like on Pocket Cast, something like that. Uh, you can subscribe just to the feed. We have all that information for you on MingreenNation.com. Do that. You can find Greg on Twitter. But Greg, I don't know. Sometimes you like advertising your Twitter. Other times you're like, no, don't find me. I want to be anonymous woodsman. Can we find you on the Internet? And if we can, where are you located? I'm just out there, you know. Okay. You'll retweet me or talk to me or something. <laughs> and then 
<laughs> if they're interested, then they'll come say, hey, it's, it's make it that. difficult. Yeah. Um, so oh, you're so there's, there's a... <laughs> Uh, com is where you could, uh, you can find my writing. There's a blog, you know, uh, you most, maybe if you listen to this podcast, we usually have Aldo on here talking football. Occasionally we get Greg in there. Greg's busy. He's a busy guy. You know, he's a leading politician. <laughs> uh, I do no such thing. Don't time me to politics. He's an important government official. You know, this guy right here, he's just, you know, he wields power beyond, beyond our, beyond our imagination. Uh, no, I did not turn the power off. <laughs> I had no ability to turn it back on. Um, don't, don't blame you. Don't. Yep, yep. I got my pitchfork ready. I was going to go to your house and say it was your fault. Uh, yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, subscribe to the show. Support the show. You could you know, buy a little membership. Uh, like I said, I, I try not to, to put anything in a paywall here. I'm not trying to do it that athletic. A lot of this is so I can keep it going, right? The more people care about the show the podcast that kind of stuff it cost me more money uh the whole reason we did this way back in in the day i did this way back in the day is because like probably like many of you i was like does anybody want to talk about north texas and you get a bunch of you know quizzical looks at looking back here like who which one is that again like yeah north texas the mean green you know they got scott hall out here uh you know uh whoever else do you want zach muzzy did you see that catch he made got old references Got any old references? Craig Robinson, you see that amazing tackle he made in the one game that North Texas won this past season? Ex-Cleveland Brown right there. Yeah, uh, That kind of stuff, right? So, you know, we keep it up so that we can find more stuff like that. Like Greg said, there's like a thousand Purdue blogs. A lot of people want to talk about Purdue. For good reason. They're a good team, good program. There are not as many places to talk about North Texas. We're one of them. We're one of like a handful. We want to keep it going. So support the show. That's what that that's about. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we are done here greg is there anything you want to say as we as i'm scrolling towards the post at the end of the day you don't bet against jb on hamlet i like it <laughs>